Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CHGO Bull Show, HQ edition on a Monday. We're switching it up here this week. I'm your host, Will Gottlieb. You can follow me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. And as always in these HQ episodes, I am happy to be joined by my good friend, Mark K at MK Hoops on Twitter. Mark, long time no see, man. I missed you. How, how you been? It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, how long? Two weeks? Maybe something like that? What have we missed? Something Not like much. That. Bulls are losing. Same old shit. A lot of but, losses. Um, <laughs> still the same old mess. I mean, what, seven seven L's in eight tries, something like that. So even though we haven't spoken for a while, um, it kind of feels like we're going to be speaking about the same stuff regardless, eh? That is true. And a quick shout out to our guy pushing the buttons, Joseph Spathis. Thank you for joining us, Joey. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of like new stuff to talk about, but I do think... There is, you know, some some uh, revisiting of of the past to try to figure out really how the Bulls got into this mess that I wanted to do with you today. Um, I know that you put all the blame on Billy Donovan, but I think you're a little <laughs> narrow minded in that way. And like, I I want to be able to sort of expand your mind a little bit and uh, pass pass some blame around to the rest of the group. Um, Please do because I'm just so so quick to blame Billy Donovan. It is clearly all his fault, but maybe I'm... Oh, I don't even notice your little thing says it's all Billy's fault. I didn't... Yeah, look, maybe I'm completely wrong here. Maybe I'm just have... Yeah, maybe I've just been mistaken in my... I've been wayward in my path in thinking that this is all Billy Donovan's fault, that this is all his fault. But uh, maybe you can educate me, William, and see me... Make me see the light. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about AK. We're going to talk about the team. Um, And then I think we can talk a little bit about how to fix this mess and what, what, uh, what, what is the path forward? Cause you know, it's, it's fun to um, comment about the state of the things, but at some point they got to fix it. They got to tr- start to turn this thing around. And I think we both have some ideas, but let's start with just today, five and 13 coming off a terrible loss. You finally start a game hot and you're up like 20 to three or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then they still find a way to lose by 19. And I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, 
from AK's perspective, I can understand the hesitancy to move away from the team that was like first place in the East after 60 games. The vibes were great. Like Lonzo was awesome. Zach was running up and down and dunking the ball and playing his best basketball. DeMar was hitting game winners. Like the vibes were so good for that short period of time. And I can understand why he'd be hesitant to move away from it. Um, But where we are now, the vibes are like on the exact other end of the spectrum. The vibes I don't think have been worse um, since like the heart of the boiling years. And that's bad. I mean, this, this thing right now is bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was actually a report that came out today from Casey Johnson. Joey, if you don't mind throwing that up there, I just want to read it real quick because um, just kind of an interesting comment about sort of the state of things. So he starts by saying basically that uh, Jerry and Michael Reinsdorf have a history of employing their GMs and executives for a very long time. Kraus was 18 years on the job. Pax was 17. And then he kind of says, you know, AK is not going anywhere. And in fact, that uh, ownership has given AK the green light to try to fix this mess, mess by any means necessary. And to me, and from what others have reported, including Joe Colley of the Sun-Times, that just means that AK has the green light to tear this thing down. And so this whole criticism about, well, ownership never wants to tank because they don't want to lose out on ticket sales. I don't think that you can make that argument right now based on the reporting. But here's where it gets interesting. He says, same goes for Billy Donovan, uh, meaning Billy is also not going anywhere. Same goes for Billy Donovan, who is liked and respected by both ownership and management and also has multiple years left on his extension. While it has happened in recent situations like Fred Hoiberg and Jim Boylan, the Reinsdorfs typically don't like paying coaches not to work for them. So Donovan is safe, although it wouldn't be a surprise to see his staff tweaked moving forward. Okay, so maybe we get some, you know, offensive coordinator in here or something like that. But to me, this is the real piece that I vehemently disagree with. And he says, that leaves the burden of change falling on the players. That leaves the burden of change falling on the players. That means because AK is not going anywhere, because Billy is not going anywhere, because ownership isn't going to pay them to leave, that means that it's up to the players to turn this thing around. And I'm not saying KC believes that. I think basically what he's doing is just like deducing that since uh, management's not going anywhere, since coaching staff is not going anywhere, that must mean that the players are going to change. But to me, this all comes down to AK. This is all on AK right now. You can point the finger at Billy, as many have. You can point the finger at Booch and say Drummond should start for him. You can point the finger at Zach or Damar or any of these guys. But to me, and I think you agree, Mark, the finger should be pointed at the man who put all this together. And that would be Arturis Konashovas. I 100% agree. And obviously at the top, we were being facetious. I might be Billy Donovan's biggest defender. Sure. You guys, actually, first, let me start. Just to stop by saying this, the, the podcast that you guys did yesterday post-game uh, was one of the better podcasts I've listened to in a long time. The fact that, uh, I think, was it last time that we were on that we were talking about how much emotion... No, it was when I did a podcast with with C. Red Fred and, and Doug Turnus the other week. We were talking about just how how much angst and tension there is in the fan base right now and that ha- having an actual conversation is almost an impossible thing because people are so angry and just want to be done with this whole thing. And it's bleeding into so many different conversations to the point where you can't even really have a basketball conversation anymore. 
So yesterday on yesterday's show, the fact that you and Dave and even Matt, you you didn't all agree on things, but the way you handled that conversation was so refreshing to hear. So I just wanted to make that very clear that uh, you guys handled that conversation extremely well. I didn't really agree with much of what Matt and Dave said. You know, surprise, surprise, I, I agree with what you said. But even like that, that doesn't matter because the way Dave spoke about it, the way Matt spoke about it, the way you spoke about it, it was a really productive conversation, which is what I hope we can bring here on on our HQ sessions as well. So shout out to all you three guys for doing that and obviously for CHGO for enabling that conversation. But yeah, coming back to your point, whilst I don't believe the central issue here is Billy Donovan. I don't even necessarily think the central issue is the players. As I've been saying, like they are who they are at this point. They're miscast in so many different ways. We can yell and scream about the players. I definitely do in, during games. I'm clipping possessions that infuriate me during these games, but taking a step, step, step back and holistically thinking about it, like does this stuff really matter? Like does it really matter that Zach Levine has blown a defensive, si- a defensive assignment? Is that the reason the balls are 5 of 13? Partly, maybe, but the real issue here is what you alluded to, the fact that this is all on Arturis Kanashovis and his management team. And as much as I would love to say it's about Jerry Reinsdorf and ownership and these sorts of things who, yes, they're to blame for some some of this as well, given the fact that for whatever reason, this, this team will never go into the attacks. We still have that the DPE. We have the mid-level exception. We have the biannual exception. Those tools are not going to be used. And maybe they shouldn't be used on this team right now, given they are 5 and 13. So there is an element of this that sits with ownership. But at the same time, despite the constraints that this ownership puts on a management team, we're here because of the decisions that Arturis Kanashovitz and his management team made. That that's that's the root cause. That's the issue. Are other people do, do other people deserve some part of the blame? Yeah, sure they do. But if we want to assign blame or the majority of said blame, it sits at management's feet and that's where everyone should be putting their attention into or their focus onto. Yeah, and I think when things are really bad with any team, like the first person that point people point fingers at is the coach because that's the easiest fix, right? It's hard to trade a star player because the team isn't going well. Um, the front office group is never going to be the the first one that gets the can when a team isn't performing. It's always going to be the coach first. That's the first strike against uh, the front office. They bring in another coach. And then if that coach continues to fail, then it's usually the players and there's sort of a rebuilding process and maybe a new management team comes in for that. Maybe not, but typically, you know, AK or the front office group, what in whatever case it may be, isn't going to be the first one that takes the blame. But to me, Billy is not a perfect coach. I think uh, we don't need to like rehash the whole thing. Like I think he's, he has flaws. I don't think he's a top 10 coach in the NBA. He has not done a good enough job at like getting this team to play a certain style, but you also have to have players that are malleable and willing to adjust their style of play in order to accomplish that. And Billy does not have that. He's tried a million things. I know it's easy to say he hasn't tried anything. He switched the starting lineup three times. He pulls guys when they're not playing well. He changes defensive uh, alignments and rotations based on who the team is playing against and what their personnel is. He has tried implementing new offensive fixes and the guys don't run it. They walk through the motions. And again, I think some of that blame does go to Billy, but ultimately it goes above that. I think what's interesting is like this sort of default argument that people blame ownership for not 
getting involved for not willing to pay the luxury tax. Yeah, you probably would be a little bit better right now if the team was willing to go into the tax and, you know, bring in another good rotation player. But like one more good rotation player is not going to fix this whole mess. The mess is the best three players aren't good together. And when you have a team where the core foundational pieces don't match, don't help each other get better, that's that's how you know it's it's time to make some changes. So um, I think when you're looking at all those things, obviously, like the blame goes all the way to the top. I think the fact that they're the that the ownership group is potentially unwilling to move on from AK and Billy because they don't want to pay them to not be there. I think that's an argument you could make uh, pointed at ownership. But like from everything that we're hearing right now, reporting wise, this is AK's decision to not blow it up. And to me, it it's like crazy. I just like posted a joke on Twitter about it. But like it, it's crazy to me that we're still at a point where this is a debate. I think it's gotten so bad that even and like we talked about it before the season started, I, I like pulled the receipts of it. I said to you, Mark, they could be six and 14 heading into December and they're mm. five and 13 right now with the Bucks and the Celtics coming up. They could be worse than even the biggest doubters thought. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. And, you know, I just I don't see how you could put that on anybody but the front office. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's funny. Um, when uh, I was going through some DMs, I was having a conversation with my mate, Kevin Anderson. Shout out to Kevin. Um, and I was just going, <laughs> I was, we were just having a general conversation and we, I just went back this morning and was looking um, at, at some DMs that we were exchanging pre-season. And in there, I, I made a note about like how the first 20 to 25 games of this season are really rough and that I'm questioning this team's resolve and when we've seen them, you know, get, get into these adverse situations that they don't necessarily come up and show up and, you know, fight through it all. And that's come to be. So I'm not say, sitting here saying that this was completely unpredictable because it, it was. And I'm not sitting here trying to raise this point just to, to toot my own horn because I'm not the only one who said this sort of thing. It's It was very clear and evident that this is potentially on the cards. And the part that I just don't understand, Will, and, and, and the that was weird. I called you Will, not William. But the part that I keep coming back to was uh, <laughs> like in, in the whole defense of AK. The thing that I can't understand is Based on what Marcus Eversley said in the offseason, the, the players told management that they didn't feel like the team, that they didn't like playing as a group, that the whole thing just didn't work and you know they didn't seemingly... They weren't on the same page and they didn't really enjoy it. So the whole cure for that was this whole Nashville thing, which clearly didn't work. But the players themselves told you that this didn't feel like a team. Vooch has been clearly disgruntled for a while now, not just this season, but we saw it come to a head in game one of this season or whatever it was when he blew up at Billy and the rest of the players about his touches and his place within the offense. We, we've forgotten about it now, but the whole, the whole storyline of Vooch coming back and playing through more, more playing or using more him more in the offense and running more through him, like that, that whole thing's dissipated. He's clearly not happy. Very clearly, Zach Levine has no interest in being in Chicago. You can discern that by the way he's going about it uh, more generally, but the fact that there is reporting around this as well, that he doesn't want to be here. So my point being, all the key people in this, all the key stakeholders are telling AK, hey, we're not really feeling this right now. Um, maybe, maybe change it up. 
in addition to the fact that all the key players acknowledging the fact that, hey, this is probably our last go around. If we don't get it together, things might break. That just only they're speaking it into existence. Tension. It, exactly, but it like it, it it builds tension. It adds pressure. And like coming back to my point, like this isn't a group that has the re- resolve to overcome tension or pressure or expectations. So to your point, like yeah, they've built it up. They're, they're speaking it into existence. But all these key people are telling AK, "Hey, bud, maybe do something different," and he's seemingly not willing to do so. So yeah, I've got a lot of time for trashing ownership when warranted. But we didn't have to be in this situation. The players have been telling AK, we didn't probably don't really want to be in this situation, but everyone's just sort of come back and maintain the status quo. And if we want to assign blame, I think everyone is missing the point if they're pointing fingers you know, at any other direction but Arturis Konashovas. That isn't to say Zach Levine doesn't bl- deserve blame or, or Vooch is mailing it in on defense or that Billy could do, be doing better things with his rotation or whatever you want to argue about. But we're kind of missing the point if we're not coming back to roster construction, in my opinion. And, I mean, to me, like I kind of said before, I think it's very obvious where we are in terms of, like, there's no, re- we, they're past the point of a retool right now with this group. I mean, yeah. Zach has, first of all, it's kind of hilarious to me that when reporters keep asking Zach, like, how he's staying focused amid all the trade <laughs> rumor stuff he's like well i've been dealing with it for this for the past three years it's like you're not dealing with this you put this into the ether you your management made the report it's a different scenario um but to me like they're beyond the point of retooling zach is clearly the one that is going to go first i think based on Mm -hmm. that report and maybe not i mean maybe it's gotten so bad that ak pulls the trigger on any of those guys as soon as he can um but to me, it seems like Zach is going to be the first to go. And if and when that's the case, are you on board that like there is no situation here where like a retool around Damar and Vooch helps this team get better? Or like what's your kind of short term view of this of this next iteration? Well, look, I'm certainly not endorsing this, and this would not be, if if I were in charge, which would obviously never be the case and would not be the direction I'd go. But I do think there is a path that if you were to trade Zach for a certain type of return whereby you focus more on ready-made guys and maybe a future pick or two rather than prioritizing young players and a future pick or two, that you could, I don't know, be a decent ball club. Now, does that matter at this point when you've dug yourself into a 5-13 and 13 hole? Can you really climb out of it? I don't know, maybe you can, depending on what you get back from Zach and when you execute that trade. But assuming you can't make that trade before December 15 and we have to do this dance for another two to three weeks, maybe even longer, maybe we have to wait to January 15, that then that hole is going to go and they're going to get bigger. So I think theoretically, yes, I think you could salvage this thing around Damar and Vooch and the young guys and, and the talent you bring back. You could probably build a, a team that had a legitimate 10 or 11 man rotation, something similar to what the Knicks have got going right now. But is it worth doing that? No, it's not. Like I think you can do that, but do you want to do that or should you be doing that? No, I don't think you should. You should be biting the bullet. You should be going full tank mode. You should be going rebuild mode. I know fans don't want to hear that. I know that I don't I know they don't want to watch bad basketball, terrible basketball, but to the point that you made earlier around we're kind of already here. Like we're here right now. This is a five or th- five and thirteen ball club. Maybe they shouldn't be five or thirteen, but really, I mean, even if they're not five and thirteen, spot them two or three games. We're still talking about a team that's below five hundred, that's out of the plane, 
And where are we even going at that point? Like, cool, maybe this team is 7-11 and 11 right now or 8-9 and nine or whatever the record would be. I'm not, I'm, I haven't done the math correctly or I'm just obviously talking nonsense at this point. But whatever the record would be, it should. It, this, we're not talking about a team that should be 15-5 and five or, you know, 12-8 and eight or whatever the record should be. This is still a bad basketball team, a sub-500 basketball team. This is what they've been last season and post the trade deadline of the year prior. This is who they've always been in many respects, and they've just continued down that path. So why would we continue trying to salvage this thing? We shouldn't. We should be trying to blow it up. And again, that responsibility sits with AK. So it's now on him. Like, will he do it or not? I don't know. I hope that's the path he goes and credit to him if he does. But yeah, I I have no idea what he's going to do. You mentioned like what the Bulls record. So I'm just looking on cleaning the glass. Their expected win total right now is 5.9. Um, so they're underperforming by just under one win. Um, so yeah, maybe you spot them that extra win, but they also won that game against the Raptors after coming back from down 17 Mm. points with like six minutes to go. And Caruso hit a game winning three. They have a negative 5.9 net rating, which is the eighth worst in the entire league. Um, you can always quibble over like, well, maybe they should have won this game, but you, you also have to do the same thing on the opposite end, which is maybe they could have lost this game too. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think at the end of the day, it comes out in the wash. You are your record, and that's where we are right now. Um, got a lot of good comments going on in the YouTube comments here. We've got 116 people watching. We got 25 likes. If you wouldn't mind, as we take our first ad break here, hitting that thumbs up for us if you like what we're doing here at CHGO. While I tell you guys about some of our best friends in the entire world, Circus Sportsbook, who graciously hosted Matt and Dave and myself, along with our entire all-city basketball network in Las Vegas at their casino uh, during Summer League. They're awesome, and they are an awesome sportsbook as well. They've got tight money line splits where they strive to be at minus 110 splits on the Circa menu, unlike other sportsbooks where they may use minus 115 or minus 120. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets like futures, golf tournaments, especially compared to other books. They also don't like to limit players based on their winnings. Every other player has the same limits, unlike other books who limit winning players and encourage bettors to download and explore other apps uh, available to compare the lines from each sports book. That is called transparency, my friends. They also have real people behind the Circa Sportsbook brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion and unlike other companies who use chatbots or take forever to reply. Circa Sportsbook is awesome. They are opening up in Illinois and you can download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois app. That's circasports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you or someone you know has a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or text GAMB, G-A-M-B, to 833-234. Or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Talking about other friends, some of our best friends, our friends at Empire William. Empire today, it is the best place possible to get some new flooring. I know everyone needs a new floor. Don't you need to? You probably need a new floor, I'm, I'm assuming, Will. I need a new floor. The balls have hit the floor at this stage. Well, maybe maybe there's, there's still a little bit more room to go. But when they do get there, we're talking rebuilds. We're talking new floors. Well, the Bulls may need to go to Empire today because that's the place where you go to get the best quality service, speed, 
everything else. Competitors just cannot meet what is required. And this is why we shop at Empire today for all your best stuff here. Uh, so if you want to obviously shop at Empire today the, the, and obviously support CHGO, CHGO friends, if you jump over to Empire today, Empire, <laughs> rather slash CHGO for, uh, for further details, when you do so, you will get $350 off your order or a discount with our friends there at Empire today. So if you're in the market, if you're doing a remodeling of your home or whatever it may be, if those floorboards that you got at your place have uh, seen better days, then it's time to make that change now, particularly as we're heading into you know the, 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 the Christmas break. People are winding down. People are getting around the house doing their DIY. This is the time to do a friend. So like I said, empiretoday.com forward slash CHGO for $350 off with that discount. How long did you spend uh, coming up with the bulls have hit the floor analogy? Uh, 0.2 seconds, but that was a terrible ad read. So I apologize to our friends at Empire today. Um, look, generally speaking, my, my ad reads are always <laughs> horrible. I am the AK of ad reads. Um, but uh, that, was, that one was uh, especially bad, despite that one half decent line, I suppose. Also, as Joey throws it up here, on the YouTube feed, Cyber Monday is still happening. You can get up to 90% off, uh, spend $75 and get a $15 gift card. Got some awesome merch on sale in a big way. Go to the CHGO locker and check out what we have. That's going on until, I believe, midnight. Is that correct, Joey? Like 11.59 tonight? Take that as a yes. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, how we got here because... Oh, how did we get here? I just want, was like going back and kind of looking at some of the transaction history. Um, and I think we did a whole episode on this. Joey's put, putting into our secret comments right here that he didn't want to uh, come on the screen because he's not wearing a shirt right now. And then he called himself shirtless wonder. So just making sure everybody knows that. Um, just letting everyone know that he's just rolling around his house without his shirt. He's confident enough to do that, young Joseph. So feeling good about himself. Um, but I think we did an episode, like a longer episode about this at some point, just going over all the like revisionist history around the moves and like the process versus the results and how things worked out. But like, you know, you look at this team right now and obviously Lonzo has not really worked out. Like he was great for the 35 games that he played, but they haven't like done anything to try to a address the fact that he hasn't played in what will be two and a half full seasons. Mm -hmm. um, the Vucevic trade, I mean, I feel bad for Vuce because it's not his fault. Like he didn't mm -hmm. make that trade for himself. Um, mm -hmm. I think he is an underrated and underappreciated player in a lot of ways, but that trade was horrible and it turned out to really set the Bulls back. They didn't reach the goals that they set for themselves when they made that trade. And now, as you like to point out on Twitter, after every loss, the magic are just absolutely cruising right now. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that I think is, is it was the first, first major move. Um, and one that really kind of set the bulls on this path, but it's also been perhaps the most detrimental. Um, you have the Lowry market inside and trade and like Lowry wanted out. I don't think anybody saw this coming with Lowry, but at the same time, if you're a management team and you've had a player in your locker room for a year you have to like know that that's your job to know that 
um, or at least try to cater to that and build a team that can support that. And the yeah. fact that he evolved into what he is now, like maybe he never becomes that if he stays on the Bulls. But if you are a team that's trying to build, you have to put an infrastructure in place to be able to support the development of players that could become all NBA. And again, maybe that never happens or maybe nobody could have possibly ever seen that. But that's kind of your job if you are roster building. And I think the same thing applies to Patrick Williams. Obviously, Patrick has been kind of a disaster this year. Um, I think it's like safe to say that that was a complete miss in the draft fourth overall uh, in front of guys like Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, even like Devin Vassell or Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, that, that draft was like pretty load, loaded. Even like Sadiq Bey would be way more helpful to the Bulls right now. Um, and I think part of that is the fact that Patrick has just played terribly, but it's also part of the fact that they have not invested any resources into player development. Um, and it's the same thing when you look at Dale and Terry or Io or uh, Marco Simonovic or um, Julian Phillips now. Like all of these draft picks have kind of busted. Um, the, the very best you're looking at is like decent role depth pieces. And if you're a team that's kind of loading up on older players, you need to be able to hit on those draft picks to be able to support and sustain that older group. And that is part of the reason why the Bulls are in such a bad situation is they have no like young building blocks that you can even be excited about if they do move on from Zach and Tamar. Um, not only the Vooch trade, but the Vooch extension, which like I think we all kind of disagreed with at the time, but it's become even worse just 18 games into the season. I mean, three guaranteed years, he's going to be around uh, completely unhappy. That is, they're not going to be able to get off that deal without attaching an asset and when you're undergoing a rebuild that's the exact opposite position that you want to be in you want to be clear of money so that you can take on distressed assets um and you know get picks to do so they're also running into the same issue with damar coming up this summer he's going to be unrestricted and basically they were in the position last year where vooch kind of had him over a barrel and it was like well you're going to lose me for nothing or you're going to overpay to keep me and i fear that that could leave the bulls in the same position with Damar, And mm -hmm. to me, this all comes back to learning from your mistakes, but more importantly, like recognizing who you are and what you are at the current point in time, because even after last season, there were small little nuggets that you could convince yourself, even if everybody else disagreed, well, we went 14 to nine after the break. Well, you know, we almost won a playing game. We competed hard with some of the best teams. We did win one playoff game. You could convince yourself that if you bring that back, maybe it's, it does get better. Did a couple of nice free agent signings. Maybe it's going to get better, but it didn't. It's worse. And so I think the biggest thing right now is like this idea that AK cannot fail to recognize where this team is because as bad as it is now, if we keep on the same track, if um he doesn't do anything to prevent the spiraling or does something to make the spiraling happen worse, then you're in an even worse position. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, where does one start? I mean, the the thing that struck me when you were speaking then was the ideology just doesn't make sense. And what I mean by that is in some respects, they've tried to do the two timeline thing, which I just never understood. And you and I on this podcast uh, 
yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll was around at this point. Yeah, so it would have been here. But like we we very clearly identify, and again, not to toot my own horn because I've made wrong calls all the time. One of them being the Vucevic extension. I trying to justify it to myself that this made sense. I even remember uh, harking back to a conversation that we had in the offseason where we were sort of espousing like, well, I guess you kind of have to re-sign DeMar now because you've gone all in with this squad or you've re- you brought everyone else back. Then maybe you have to bring DeMar back and just get the extension done. I'm glad that didn't happen because I was clearly wrong in saying that. So I don't want to sit here and say that I'm, you know, I'm batting at 100 type thing. But the part that I just don't understand is... If you're going for it now, in whatever respects that you're going for, I don't understand why you do it as a half measure in the sense that you invest all this capital to make a win now team, but stop. People say that they went all in, they didn't because there were so many other assets that they could have used to facilitate and make this team better than what they ultimately did. They stopped then, but for whatever reason, with what draft capital that they did have, they tried to add pieces that just didn't make sense to this roster, to this core, to this aging core? Why why continuously go to the draft and try to get these rangy wings who are projects, not or you know versatile wings who potentially pro- project to be good players? But at this stage, or at least you know any common or real, real, uh, realistic expectation was that these guys needed time to develop. Why are you bringing this, these type of players into this organization when you're trying to win now a quote unquote win now. Why are you bringing in someone like Patrick Williams who needs two, three, four, maybe longer, uh, two, three, forty years, maybe longer to really develop? Why are you bringing in Dale and Terry to this team who clearly doesn't fit it from you know his his characteristic, his traits, but more more clearly needs a lot of development time. Similarly with Julian Phillips. Okay, cool. You went back into the draft to go and grab put someone who can develop into a two way ring uh, wing, but he's clearly not ready as well. So why? Are you doing this when your counterparts, your previous organization in Denver have seemingly taken the right approach in the sense that they understand that they're going in around their veterans and they want to support their veterans by bringing in guys that make sense right now. And that includes in the draft whereby you go after guys that make more more of a fit sense than you know a potential sense as an example. So the initial outlay of what AK did I still do. I st- I'm still convinced that there is a world, another reality out there where this does come back and it does work. But doing so involves not stopping the build at a certain point. Doing so doesn't involve going to the draft and drafting projects who can't contribute and help to the rotation for this team, which only feasibly had a two or three year window. So why are you trying to have your cake and eat it too? In the sense that you're going in again, quote unquote, on an, a win a win now group but then drafting these projects who are not going to impact this win-now group. It doesn't make sense. So in, in in some respects, it's a lesser warrior situation. You don't, But you don't have someone like Steph Curry to lean back on. You're leaning back on Zach and DeMar and trying to do whatever it is you're trying to do and trying to you know, see if Patrick Williams can become a player in the same way that the Warriors are trying to do with Jonathan Kaminga. We've seen what they've done with Jordan Poole, what they did with James Wiseman. It just doesn't work in that sense. So why the Bulls have gone this way uh, it, it it's it's baffling. It's odd. I think the initial outlay, the initial idea, made sense, and it clearly had some proof of concept. But the inability to pivot and the inability to really recognize what they needed around their guys—that's the part I will just never understand. And that's the indefensible part. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, Connor in the comments saying the same thing. This front office has always tried to toe the line 
between win now and development. Ultimately, it's resulted in mediocrity and confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up the word as an example. Like, I think you can you can convince yourself that it's worth attempting that if you are an NBA champion when sure. you have won a championship and now you're trying to supplement that core with some good young players. Um, yeah. Then it makes sense. But even the Warriors had to trade away Jordan Poole to bring in Chris Paul. Uh, they got rid of James Wiseman for second round picks so that they could get uh, Gary Payton Jr. back. Um, it's not going to work with a lesser version. Um, and I think that's the other thing that's like really hurt the development of this team is that Patrick Williams never hit. And you know, I think part of the window that they were trying to build was Patrick becoming good enough that on a cheaper contract, on a rookie scale contract, he could really supplement what Lonzo and Damar and Zach and Vooch gave you. And that just never happened. And you can blame part of that on the injury. You can blame part of that on Bill. You can blame most of it on Patrick, but it never happened. And now they're in a situation where they're going to have to pay him or let him walk or trade him, which is fine. But I think it's another signal that like what you had in this group is not, it doesn't work anymore. It comes back to this idea that as good as the vibes were, there are, worse now by 10 times and even if they wanted to keep building this thing like they're already up against the tax they haven't yet re-signed damar i mean who knows what happens with zach maybe they get off some money there but it's like they're not in a position where they can justify bringing this thing back even if it was performing well and it's not and so to me like the recognition the recognition part of understanding where you are and who you are as a team um, relative to the other teams, there is zero argument that could convince me that this is worth salvaging, that this is worth retooling. Um, I think it's got to be a full-on teardown. And this idea that like you can't argue for that because, oh, ownership will never have it, uh, that you can't argue for this stuff because it's not realistic. I mean, I think that's exactly why you should argue it. Somebody needs to be pushing the agenda that doesn't seem likely to make it realistic because otherwise you're just like doing whatever the people in charge are telling you. And I don't think that's worthwhile either. Like somebody has to be the one that's saying, no, what you're doing is not good enough and not, well, yeah, it's probably never going to happen. So let's just accept it. Um, I think that's, that kind of defeats the purpose of having people talking about and analyzing what you're seeing here. And right now, I don't think there's really any argument. Like, I think there's a world where, and and this is probably what will happen, is they try to trade Zach as soon as possible. Realistically, that's December 16th. They have three weeks until the trade deadline. So you get to watch whatever you get back with Zach from Zach with the rest of the current team. You, maybe they go on a win streak or something. You decide if what you have is worth continuing on with. And then you make a decision about DeMar um, and Caruso. And to me, I don't think that like that that's worth its time. Like they, they need to just go for it with a rebuild um, and not worry about like what you have. But to me, an issue with that is that they may go into this trade for Zach with the idea that maybe they can still compete in mind. And I think they, even if you go into it with the mentality of like, get whatever you can get the best possible value I think that that's wrong. I think they need to pick a lane and go for that. And obviously, in my opinion, the lane is for a rebuild. Yeah, and look, maybe I'm being an optimistic C-Red 
douchebag here, but I think in some respects the lane is being forged for them. So when you're saying here that, you know, maybe they try to package Levine for of a more of a, you know, like I said before, a role player laden type trade, you try to get some pieces in that tries to stabilize and win you some games now. I think that would have been a real potential path. And I had been screaming about that in the offseason saying that, hey, we should be prepared for this in any Levine deal. I think that would have been a real possibility if this team, you know, were three to five games under 500 at at or around the deadline, whereby you could really talk yourself into it. But they're eight games under 500 right now. If people look up and look at the, the, the schedule, what's coming their way over the next couple of weeks into December as we continue, Five and thirteen is probably as best as it's going to be for a long time. This thing could get really, really ugly. We haven't even seen the worst of it yet. But in some respects, I think that is a good thing. I think the fact that it has been so bad is going to force people to wake up. I think because we're all seemingly on the same page. I mean, I spoke about the tension that exists with the fan base right now, and that tension is just due to the fact that obviously the previous iteration that rebuild didn't work. We pivoted to this thing. It was cool for a couple of months, but since then it's been terrible. So there's been a lot of losing basketball, incompetent basketball. I understand the anger. But in 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 spite of that, I think largely most fans agree that there needs to be some seismic change here. So I I feel like we're you know, AK is almost being forced into the position where he needs to make a pivot, and that pivot just can't be let's trade Zach for, you know, two or three role guys and a future first round pick and try to salvage this thing because I think the damage will be done by that point. Even if you get to December 15 and you trade Zach as immediately as, you know, on December 15 as, as quick as you possibly can. Obviously, they could deal, deal him today, but it's more likely post-December 15 or potentially even January 15. But let's just assume it's December 15. There's still, you know, five, six, seven games until that point. Your record could be so bad that climbing out of that is just not feasible. So maybe the path that they're sort of set themselves and the path that this playing group has put this organization on, well, not just the playing group, the management team as well. Like I, I kind of feel like his hand is tied, his hands are tied at this point, and he needs to make the rebuilding move because I don't know if you can salvage this thing. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball still to be played, and maybe depending on the deal, depending on what you got, you got, you got back. Maybe you could convince yourself that you could, you could salvage it, but I just don't see how that is possible. And with the the uh, the volume of noise heading towards uh, you know Bulls management and Bulls ownership and whatnot, and the whole city almost seemingly being aligned that this needs to be a teardown in some respects, I, I don't know under I, I don't know how he could not do that or be forced into that. I guess is my point. So maybe again, maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe I'm talking myself into it or just hoping that they finally see the writing on the wall. But this right now is unlike unlike how it's been ever, really, under the AK regime. I mean, let's take take a step back six months ago where people were sort of talking themselves into this iteration of team where there were segments of the fan base that thought, you know, they didn't think they were going to be a contender or anything like that, but they, they thought with the acquisitions of Tory Craig and Javon Carter that this team could be a 40-ish win team. It could be a good and fun, respectable team. No one feels like that anymore. So this is the most amplification of noise that AK has ever felt. This is the strongest the fan base has ever been against AK, in addition to all the reporting that's going on, in addition to surely the basketball he's watching. So again, maybe I'm being hopeful, but maybe that path has already been forged to them where they can't do anything but pivot towards a rebuild. I think based on what we've seen in the past, if any, if there's any 
margin of hope that there's a, a reality where they cling on to that and uh, try to use that as a launching pad to continue on with some sort of retool. But I mean, their next nine games, they, I, I don't know. Tell me, tell me where the wins are Tuesday, tomorrow at Boston, uh, Thursday at home against Milwaukee, Saturday at home against New Orleans. Um, and then there's two games that have yet to be scheduled. Uh, so we'll see who is up on there, but um, basically there's a week break in the schedule right now because of the new in-season tournament. And so two more games will be scheduled that we don't know who they'll be playing, but when they resume, it's at uh, Milwaukee again, it's versus Denver at home. It's at Miami, at Miami, at Philadelphia, at home versus LA. I mean, there's a world where they win one or two of those. And yeah, I mean, at that point you're in your midway through December. Uh, some of these players are eligible to be traded. As Bobby Mark said today, there hasn't been a December trade since like the 2020, 2021 season. So it, it is probably more likely in January or at the deadline, but um, yeah, I mean, the longer things keep on like this, the, the less, the less room there is to make those arguments. And I think that's like, unfortunately, one of the few positives that we have to go on this season. Um, but if that got you depressed, <laughs> then maybe you want to take a sip of beer. And if you're trying to take a sip of beer, you should take a sip of Goose Island. Because CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, and it's been Chicago's beer since 1988. And even as we enter December here, they've got an incredible roster of delicious tasting brews. They've got the Oktoberfest, which is still available, Beer Hug Family, 312 Weedale, and the Full Pocket Pilsner. It's everyday beer, and it's what your favorite brewers are drinking. As always, grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beer at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Claiborne Avenue, and that's in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island beer, Chicago's beer, and CHGO's beer. Joey, can I get a honk honk? Maybe no, not can't. on StreamYard. The guy's got his shirt off. He's just feeling himself. He's not, pl- he's not pressing any buttons today, but that's fine. Can I tell you, William, about Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake? Please do. Oh, okay. Thank you. You weren't Please very do. punctual then. I'd love to but, know about uh, that. Honk honk. There it is. <laughs> he put a shirt on. There we go. Wow, look, friends, it's Black Friday still. So the savings are still raining. Even though Black Friday was last week, the savings are still happening with our friends over at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. So as one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the mess, uh, the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories. All month long, you can say at, save at Ray Chevy during their Black Friday sales event. Uh, They've got over 100 Silverados in stock. So it is the perfect, perfect tailgate vehicle. So if you want to get your hands on one, get it at 0% financing, $0 down and zero payments until 2024. And importantly, if everyone or everyone who's got a car or whatever it may be, if you are for this month, if you get down to Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake, you will get a free oil change. And all you need to do is medicine four, four letters. CHGO. That's all you need to do. When you're scheduling your, your oil change, you just ring up the bloke who's on your phone and just say, CHGO. They'll know what it means. And that means a free oil change, friends. So head down to Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or jump onto the website, raychevrolet.com to get yourself 
uh, you know, that free oil change, but also to to capture all those Black Friday savings. So Ray Chevrolet at Fox Lake, Fox Lake, they've been serving the community since 1963. They will continue to do so, and they make finding new roads possible. So let's move on to, you know, spinning this forward because we could, you know, sit here and wallow all day in the Bulls being the most hopeless team in the NBA. But ultimately, we're going to see some changes here. Um, at the very least, Zach is probably going to get traded, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they just they just have to. Um, so I think the number one question AK needs to be asking himself is not what can we what can we do to you know flip Zach into something that can keep us winning. It's more how can we maximize return on Zach Levine and. You know, the more I spend time thinking about this, the more I'm on the old trade machine. Uh, I find myself like having a lot of teams that I could see being like sneaky, potentially interested teams in Zach, but not a lot of teams that are like for sure going to be in the running. Um, To me, like the Lakers are the clear, they will probably end up with Zach Levine because nobody else is really going to challenge them type Mm -hmm. of team. Um, I could see, you know, Connor brings up the Pacers. That's a team I could see being interested. Some of these like younger up and coming squads that like want to jumpstart the magic being another one. Um, the Kings who obviously have uh, corrected things a little bit here of late, but you know, they're already all in on offense. Same as the Pacers. Like maybe they want to just add another dynamic scorer that, you know, forces teams to beat them um, that, that can kind of match them offensively. But I don't see a ton of like obvious fits for Zach. Um, and so I think to me, like the one thing that the Bulls can do to really maximize return is attach Caruso to him. Um, I think you could probably get some good stuff back for Caruso separately. But I also think, and this brings you back to like the whole Jimmy Butler trade and what went wrong with that. And to me, it was like they, it was, it was a pick swap. Zach Levine and Chris Dunn for Jimmy Butler. They didn't get any future picks. They didn't even get a pick. It was a pick swap. And like, mm. Zach is not Jimmy. You're not going to get as much back for him. Um, nope. Even even though we're in an era where star players are going for much more, I just don't see Zach being as valuable uh, to set you up that way. And so I think attaching Caruso gives you the best chance where, okay, here's $50 million in salary. You send us back as many picks as you have. And you know, salary filler for X amount of dollars, 50, $50 million. I think that's probably the best avenue to maximize return on Zach. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I think that's the way, assuming it's just a Levine deal, you're not going to get much, but once you start adding Caruso into it and uh, factoring that in and then prioritizing, hopefully a better return and, Hopefully, in 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 doing that in doing that type of deal where you include Caruso, you can get some more pick equity back. I think that does make sense. But right now, the re- we're coming back to Bobby Marx's point around that you just don't see deals in December. The reason why you don't see that is teams at this point of of a season, you know, twenty games in, we're not even there just yet. But they haven't convinced themselves that they need to ne- necessarily make those changes. What you need. For really to to execute a Levine, a Levine trade is you need you need to wait for teams to get desperate and delusional. Like that's what you have to wait for. Right now, the Philadelphia 76ers don't need to make a Zach Levine trade for a number of different reasons. One, because they're winning ball games with their current squad. Two, 
I guess they want to see what else is happening in the land in the landscape, both for this season, assuming they want to pull a trade this season. But when they're factoring into what they want to do next offseason, do they want to forego the potential cap space that they will have to take on Zach Levine's deal? I don't think that's something feasible for them. Similarly with teams like Indiana and Orlando, like Orlando's second in the East right now. They don't need to make a trade for Zach Levine. One, because he's not on their timeline. But two, they're winning games regardless. Indiana, they're fifth in the East right now. I would love to see a trade with the Indiana Pacers. Connor in the comments uh, suggested a trade whereby Buddy Hield and Bruce Brown and picks come back to the Bulls. I would I would do that deal right now if you could. I think Indiana would be insane to make that deal. I would love that deal. And I if I, I if Connor was the uh, the GM of this team, I'd be telling him and saying, mate, that's a good one. Let's let's phone up the Pacers. Let's do it. But I would say the Pacers would say no to that type of deal because they just don't need to make that kind of move. So what you really need to make a true a trade as soon as possible is one of these teams that are languishing somewhere who have championship aspirations or contention aspirations, but for whatever reason, things just aren't working. And that's why I continuously come back to the Lakers. Not to suggest that the Lakers aren't where they want to be or that they're in a, in a hole and they can't get out of it, but they're 10-7 and seven right now, uh, the seventh in the West. We know what LeBron's doing. We know the fact that LeBron's going to be 39 soon or whatever it is. There's not a lot of time on their hands to maximize their current window. You trade for someone like Zach Levine, whether that's with Caruso or not, or not and it just makes so many. It makes so much damn sense. The other feasible place that I could see Zach being traded to is again a team that has, for the last few seasons, if the Bulls didn't exist, would have the crown for being one of the most, you know, delusional and desperate organizations out there. And that's the Toronto Raptors. They seemingly like the Bulls for whatever reason want to keep this current thing going. They've got a current they've currently got a losing record. They're 11th in the East. They're eight and nine. Do they want to go backwards or are they going to try to progress what they're doing at the moment? They're the only two teams right now where it makes sense for me that could maybe talk themselves into a Zach Levine trade. The other one is Golden State. They're the three teams. I don't really really think the the Warriors is a is a real uh, a real landing spot given the, the tax implications for what Zach would be doing to their tax bill in, in future years. So I don't really consider that one. But given the fact that the Warriors are 10th uh, in the West right now and have a losing record, that's the reason I go there. But I don't really even consider them a threat or, or a real landing spot. So what we're talking about is the Lakers or the Raptors. And at that point, like that's your market for Zach right now. Maybe that changes in a month or six weeks time. But right now, there isn't a realistic landing spot for Zach which is problematic. But I guess the good thing, William, is they're still losing games. So organically, you're tanking your way with this current squad. Maybe there's not a need to push through a Zach Levine deal just now because you're losing games and maybe the reward for that will be a, a, a nice, you know, tasty draft pick at the end of this year. But I just don't see many landing spots for Zach right now. Yeah, I don't either. And that's why I think attaching Caruso might help open up some doors. Like I think the Sixers would be a lot more willing to make a trade for Zach if it also netted them Caruso. I, I could see um, 29 teams being interested in Caruso, and I think he helps open up some doors. But to your point, I think time frame is a key here, and it's going to be a while. Um, you know, with the Lakers being potentially the... I mean, we're just kind of spitballing here. It's not like we know this for a fact, but like it seems like they're kind of the most serious suitor, and none of their guys can be traded until January 15th. And so if that's like the real, you know, starting point for when, you know, and the Bulls and Lakers could decide on something tomorrow, 
and you know press send on January 16th. Um, but it doesn't really make sense for other teams who are still trying to figure out who they are to Mm -hmm. get in on these talks at this point when they know nothing's going to happen because he's ultimately likely going to go to the Lakers. So, um, I don't know, like the magic 16th in offense, second in defense, maybe they do feel like they can, um, ride this wave. They're like right there and Zach can help space the floor and be another, you know, offensive creator that can help take the burden off of Franz and Paolo. I could see them convincing themselves they've got a ton of picks and a bunch of good young players and some money to match. Um, so that maybe like teams like that do get involved. But for right now, I just don't see any of these teams being willing to like jump the Lakers and say, you know, we can beat you guys today. We know Chicago wants to get this thing done as soon as possible. So let's just go ahead with it. I think, you know, it's still only 15, 16, 17 games into the season for a lot of these teams. It's going to be a while. And I think that's sort of a, a dark place to be when you're thinking about the season and like trying to get ready for the next era. Like we're still 20 or 25 or 30 games away from that. Um, and so it's just, that's going to be the reality for at least a little while here. And um, I think at that point you have to also, you know, I, Damar, I think they absolutely need to trade him or let him walk in free agency for nothing. Um, or maybe sign and trade if a team wants his bird rights. Uh, Vooch, likely not going anywhere. I think you probably need to attach an asset to get off him, and that's not worth it at this point. Uh, Patrick, like if you can get something for him, you probably have to do it at this point because you're looking at paying him a decent amount of money. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, I would have said that's crazy because if you're entering a rebuild, you want your young players. Um, and I think ideally that's the case, but you also have to consider the fact that like, he hasn't shown you anything where it's like, yeah, we got to build around this guy. We got to, he's got to be a part of the next team. And if you're going into a rebuild where, you know, your best player is 22, that's great, but he's also going to be making probably $15 $15 million a year at this point, he's played himself out of that hundred million dollar contract that I think he wanted. So I just, I think at this point, all avenues have to be trade everybody for whatever value you can get. Um, if you, if more value is coming in than going out, you probably got to do that deal. Um, but I just don't expect this to be like the Jimmy Butler trade redux where it's like, we can learn from our mistakes and cash in with three picks the way that the Spurs got for DeJounte Murray, like that, that trade just doesn't really exist anymore. And if it did, Jimmy Butler might be a guy that at age 28 or whatever it was when the Bulls traded him, they could have gotten that kind of return. But I just don't think Zach is going to net you that much. And maybe that just means you keep him until the value goes up again. Like he's not helping you win now, but at a certain point you do need to like start to make moves for your future. And I think that's why, even a team like the Wizards, like they're not in a great position either. They don't have very many firsts coming in. They do have a couple of swaps from the Suns. They have a bunch of seconds, but they at least set themselves on a path. And I think the longer the Bulls are in this just morass of misery, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. And I think the sooner they can make some trades, obviously you want to maximize your return. You want to get the best value possible, but you also just want to get out of this mess. Yeah, and coming back to our, 
you know, where we started this thing, like this is on, on AK to make that decision. Like this is the most pressing thing for this team. We, again, we can talk about any post-games scenarios or we can talk about it when games are unfolding as to why player X missed a rotation or why player Y took this certain shot or why Billy is remaining big instead of going small or why he's choosing this rotation instead of this. Like we can argue about this, the minutia stuff, but it's missing the point. It's not the fundamental thing that matters. What matters is the decision to pivot when that decision comes. They're the most important things. And ultimately, when you've reached that decision, what do you actually do? That's the most important thing for this season going forward, like getting that clarity of when we're pivoting because you need to. It's not an if situation. You need need to do it now or do it as soon as possible. And when you make that decision, what are you getting back? What path are you setting the franchise on? And this is coming back to that tweet that you referenced that you made earlier today uh, in terms of the Bulls having the most bleak outlook going forward. Yeah, the Washington Wizards are a terrible basketball team right now. They're not armed with a lot of assets. They don't have a lot of great young players to build around. Like That's a bad situation. But at least they're on a path trying to forge something that makes some sense. The Bulls right now... Are not trying to be bad. They're just organically bad, which is arguably worse. Their future is bleak. It's bad. Things need to change. The pivot needs to come. It's just when does that happen? And it needs to happen sooner rather than later. And I'm just hoping that management has the foresight or the understanding that fans are not happy. No one is seemingly happy. Again, coming back to the point I made before, the people within your own building, the players themselves, I've told you they are not happy. Surely at this point, you can see and understand the signs and that you're ready to pivot. Surely. That that has to be the hope at this point. But then I guess uh, you know, to squash all that hope is, are we really confident and trusting or wanting to put our trust in AK to make the right decision and assuming he makes the right decision? Do we have any confidence in at him at all to be able to execute that the next iteration or the next vision of this, what this team is? And I guess that's a conversation for another day because I don't want to get too depressed about that. But even if we can understand what the next move is i don't have faith in this current organization and the people that are running it to make that move and to make that pivot which is disastrous in its own self definitely a conversation for another day the rest uh not much to add i think you hit the nail on the head and wrapped it up quite nicely uh one more time before we go hit the like for us on the way out we appreciate all of you guys i mean off day in November, the team is five and 13 and we've got over 115 people watching in here with us. We appreciate all of you guys and you should go to the CHGO locker. It seems like you like us. So you may as well just go to the CHGO locker, get yourself some black Friday deals on our merch. They've got new pint glasses. We got sweatshirts, new hats, um, tons of great stuff to, to look at and help support us um, for Mark at MCAPES on Twitter for our pal and producer joey spathis and for me will gottlieb at will underscore gottlieb thank you guys all for joining us and we will be back tomorrow with a watch party edition uh we're going to be at wings and rings in at on halstead uh tomorrow watching the game please come join us we're going to do a live show from there as well so come check that out um and we will see you all then Take care, everybody, and we'll be back tomorrow. We all silly like the mayor. 